Hey everyone, welcome back to Vanessa on Films. This is the podcast where we discuss film and TV show news. This is episode... This is episode 19. Um, I'm very excited to get to 20. But uh, anyway, yeah, this is episode 19. Um, I was gonna say surprisingly, but it's not really surprising. But um, yeah, a lot of news um, regarding casting and like updates, etc., and yeah, I'm excited to get into them. I think I'm going to start out by talking about the fact that I saw Killers of Flower Moon recently. I honestly, like, it is such a... I don't even, like, know how else to say it besides, like, just saying that it's such, like, like a gauntlet, like, masterful work. Honestly, like, I did... I know the runtime is obviously, like... A point of discussion for a lot of people but for me I didn't necessarily feel that it felt like three and a half hours honestly like it felt like two at most and honestly a lot of that can be I keep saying honestly um sorry it, I, I honestly I just think that really has to do with the editing and what a great job that the yeah like just thinking of the editing and how great it was um, is definitely a reason why it felt the way that it did. The performances, I mean, um, I often think of award season when it comes to great performances. Unfortunately, that's just the way my brain is wired. So anyway, yeah, a lot of people are talking about Lily Gladstone's performance, and honestly, it was superb, obviously. Um, um, I, I really, really, I really love certain women. It, it is, like, one of my favorites. It's definitely my favorite Rikard movie. And, yeah, I mean, it's just so cool to see her take on a film of this level. And, I don't know, I I guess I am thinking of her performance in terms of award season again. Because I know it's really annoying, but I think she's going to be in the lead category. And I don't necessarily know if that's a good thing or a bad thing for her. I'm just thinking of it in terms of runtime. And I do think that it her performance still was a supporting performance in my opinion and I just don't know I don't know I feel like she might have a better chance at you know most of the awards if she goes into the supporting category but again I don't really know how this works what's it called category fraud I, I don't even <laughs> anyways but yeah it's just such a great performance and if you haven't watched Certain Women, then you really should go watch it. Um, but again, Killers of Flower Moon, really great film. It was interesting because when I first saw, like, Leo up on the screen, I'm like, why is he making that face? And then I kind of just got used to it throughout the film um, to the point where I just, I was like, okay, that's something that he's choosing to do in this role. And yeah, it didn't become annoying, the frowny face that he's doing. It's such a great film in that it showcases evil in its most, I don't even know how, to, but it's most, like, devious form. I think that's what I said in my letterbox review. Anyways, it just, oh, it's, the, the representation of evil is, like, so insidious, but also it feels very human in the sense that this is obviously a real thing that happened and so you know this isn't necessarily 
a horror film with things of the supernatural. This is a real thing that happened, and I feel like that's the scariest form of horror. You know, having see these things put on screen, you know, like people have lived through those experiences. And I don't know, just the way that Scorsese decided to write the screenplay was really, really impressive. And I don't know, I, it just, it was so cool to see, you know, this huge film on a big screen. And I think that if you have the opportunity, you really should go and see it on a big screen. My opening rant for today actually connects to Killers of the Flower Moon, but also it's going to be leading into the first piece of news as well. And honestly, I the question is, why is theater discourse the worst? Which is interesting because I, I've actually ranted about the theater going experience with Juan before on this podcast. But yeah, I think the discourse has kind of taken on like a new form, <laughs> uh, especially when it comes to movies with long run times. I just, oh, I just, uh, I, I don't know. It's really annoying how people can't do anything without having a problem with it. It's, for example, longer films now, people are talking about like adding intermissions to them, which is an awful idea as if they can't just get up and go walk around or go use the bathroom if they want to. Like, you can leave the film at any point. Like, they are not tying you to your seat. And it's just really awful how people are talking about theaters being ableist for not adding intermissions and stuff like that, which is insane to me. Like, at the end of the day, you can watch this film multiple times. You do not have to sit through it in one sitting. If you can, like, sure, go ahead. But, like, if you're unable to, like, you can... There's going to be different avenues for you to watch this film again. Like, it's probably going to have a physical release. It's going to be on streaming. And it's going to be playing in theaters for a long time. So, you could eventually go watch it again. If you have to use a bathroom or if your legs are cramping up and you need to walk around, get up and leave the film. No one is stopping you from doing that. And it's just so weird how the discourse has taken on this new life in terms of films with long run times or just I, I don't know the fact that a lot of people are thinking that since they are in a theater it's kind of a free-for-all which you're gonna it, theaters are a public space you have to remember that you're gonna have to unless the theater's empty of course but you're gonna have to recognize that you are not the only person there this isn't your living room you can get up and leave if you choose to like, that is totally fine. Like, no one is saying that you can't do that. Well, I mean, <laughs> let's just say no one is saying that you can't do that. Like, you can leave whenever you want. But the thing that also gets me, like, really annoyed about discourse is the fact that, yeah, I don't know, like, a lot of people think that they can just, like, go on their phones and stuff like that. And then when we have, you know, when we have discourse regarding people's lack of theater etiquette a lot of people are like who cares I paid to be here I can do whatever I want and it's like well no that's that's not the way the world works that's not the way life is but anyways yeah theater discourse is getting really really annoying all I'm saying is that like I feel like most oh sorry I feel like most people who love 
film know how to act. It's the general audiences that are really, really annoying about theater. And <sighs> anyways, let's get into the news. It kind of leads into, yeah, this rant kind of leads into my news. So you may have heard and you may have also guessed from my rant that a lot of theaters, or I shouldn't say a lot, it's, 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 it's a handful, have, um, a lot of the theaters have been adding intermissions to Killers of the Flower Moon. So they have been choosing a point in the film to kind of like split it and then pause and then there's an intermission so people can get up, use the bathroom, go get more food, etc., which need I remind you, I just said this 400 times, you can do that anytime during the film. Yes, you will be missing something, but that's on you. That's kind of what the theater-going experience entails sometimes. Anyways, so yeah, theaters have been adding intermissions. So Apple and Paramount, these are the studios that, of course, produced Killers of the Flower Moon. They have actually reached out to these theaters and they have... I don't, I, yeah, basically they're just saying like, you violated your contract, you have to show the film the way it was intended to be shown, you cannot be splitting up our film into two parts, three parts, no, I think it's usually two, you cannot be adding intermission because that breaks our contract, which I say good on them, like, if you are doing anything to a film to modify it in a way that these studios and the creators are saying not to, or in a way that they haven't intended the film to be shown honestly like i f that has to be illegal like it just feels very wrong and i'm glad that apple and paramount are like actually sticking up for this piece of art and also like tama schoonmaker she is the editor of award-winning editor probably like one of the best editors in the history of filmmaking let's just say that she's worked with scorsese a bunch and you know, she actually said that this is very wrong. It is kind of a violation. She actually had comments for uh, about this situation. And she said, like, she edited it a certain way. And these films are, these, th sorry, these theaters are going ahead and just completely, you know, botching that. And I'm glad that she is saying something about it. Because it's just like, Honestly, it feels really, like, fucked up that theaters would do this. And so, again, I'm really glad that they are taking a stance against this and reaching out to these theaters and telling them, hey, like, you are going to fix this. And I'm glad that Tama is also, like, you know, saying, hey, let's not do that to my film, to the film that I edited. And, uh, yeah, so, again, a lot of theaters have been adding intermissions, which is not at all the intention also, like, you have to remember that, again, the film is edited a certain way, but it's for a specific reason. If having... I don't know. I don't think there's any point in the film where I was like, oh my god, they should have added an intermission here. Like, to me, that's crazy. Like, I don't... I don't know. Like, it, it feels weird to interrupt a story like that through an intermission. I don't know. Anyways, let's continue on with some news about SAG-AFTRA and the AMPTP. So they are going to continue communicating and they actually had a meeting on Sunday and honestly, like things are looking up a little bit at least. Um, so 
I'm pretty sure they're going to be meeting today as I'm recording this. But again, there's not much news about it as I am recording it. Hopefully, again, in the near future, I can update you guys about this. But again, SAG-AFTRA and PETP, they are going to continue communicating and things are looking a little bit more positive than they were in the past. Um, allegedly, they are closing in on a deal. Both sides have really expressed that a deal should be made within you know, the next couple of days, and I'm really glad about that because this strike has been so annoying. And I don't even mean that in the sense like, oh, movies are getting pushed. Again, I do think that is annoying. It's just like thinking about it in terms of why the strike needs to happen is really, really annoying. Like these people are just, these people being the studios, are just like straight up not willing to dish out a couple of dollars to make sure that these actors have like a decent way of life um i don't know it's just really really annoying when thinking about it from that aspect and like the greed that these studios have and you know i am glad that a deal may be reached eventually but i really do hope that something like this never needs to happen again and i don't know i think that more countries around the world more actors and writers etc who write film and who are in films if you know like if they feel the need to strike I, I really do think that this sets a really good precedent for them to do so um I don't necessarily know the state of you know like the industry at least like the business aspect and like the monetary aspect of it in different countries but I know like in Canada I feel like the actors probably should strike. <laughs> I don't know. It's just, I'm thinking about it from that aspect. And I don't necessarily think they get paid that well in comparison to the heads of these studios. So again, I don't know. If they feel the need to strike, I really do think they should. And at least when it comes to SAG-AFTRA and the AMPTP, both sides are expressing that a deal may be reached eventually and I really do hope that it happens really really soon and things can feel quote-unquote a little bit more normal again. Let's move on to some news about Sicario 3. So allegedly according to the producers Emily Blunt, Josh Brolin, and Benicio Del Toro actually want to return for the film. So this film is actually going to be directed by the same director who directed the second one, and uh, he is Stefano Salima. So yeah, um, I I didn't actually know that Sicario 3 was a thing, but according to the producers, it is. I think they would know. And yeah, um, Emily Blunt, Josh Brolin, and Benicio Del Toro are all looking to reprise their roles. I don't know, like, the thing is, I loved Sicario, the first one that was directed by Denny Villeneuve, so much. It was just such a, honestly, like, it was such a brilliant film. And, and then the second one, I don't even know how to explain it, but the second one felt so not like the first. <laughs> I, again, like, it's a, it was a different team, basically, that made it. Emily Blunt wasn't in it. And... Yeah, like, I feel like a lot of the integrity of the first film was not present in the second one. And it just, there's just, like, a shift with between the quality of those two films that kind of, like, pissed me off. And uh, I don't know. 
it's but anyways <laughs> the third one is happening i i will be interested to see like who actually reprises their roles and like who actually returns but anyways allegedly those three actors are looking to return for the third film i guess some more sequel news i guess we could call it um now you see me three has kind of been on the radar radar of like movie news outlets <laughs> i guess for a little while and i think people have known that it was gonna be a thing um there's a lot of like talk about the cast members returning but it's actually been officially confirmed and if it's officially moving forward over at Lionsgate and so yeah now you see me three so the now you see me franchise of course follows a group of magicians and illusionists if you want to call them that instead who um basically pull off like a lot of heists and stuff so they steal money and then they give it to other people and that kind of thing and then um at least i'm thinking of like in terms of the first one there is the fbi agent who is trying to stop them and stuff like that but um you know that all changes at the end of the the first film and um what i what i like about these films is that they are very original they feel like something that ne doesn't necessarily uh, yeah it doesn't necessarily feel like they've been done before and they make like quite a bit of money at the box office so it's really cool to just see these original films um be successful at the box office um no matter what you think of them critically and it's also really cool because i know that a lot of the actors really want to return to the third film i'm not exactly sure who but i am looking forward to seeing the news about and, and even sharing the news about who is returning for this film. So again, Now You See Me 3 is officially moving forward over at Lionsgate. So I don't often talk about the MCU or the Marvel Cinematic Universe in a positive light. Um, just because I don't, I don't have time for them anymore. Like I do not care. I don't think it's news that I actually want to provide to viewers because the franchise is very annoying but anyways i'm gonna talk about the daredevil born again show so i feel like it's kind of had an overhaul i'm pretty sure they like filmed some episodes and then they look back on it and they're like wait wait we have to do something different so yeah um yeah they confirmed that dario scartapane is going to be the showrunner for Daredevil Born Again. He wrote a couple of episodes of the Punisher series, which it was just a really, really great MCU show. I liked it, and I'm sure a lot of other people did. But as for the directors for the show, these are going to be Justin Benson and Aaron Moorhead, who have actually directed loki season two which i have not watched it and i don't care to watch it um i'm sorry i'm being really negative but the point is, is like it's interesting to see how they kind of you know i don't know i guess it's just interesting to see how they've um pulled from other projects and brought them onto this new daredevil show yeah, so um, Justin and Aaron, they've directed some episodes of season two of Loki. Again, haven't watched it. I don't even think it's making any noise. But um, what I really loved about the Daredevil show that was on Netflix 
is that it didn't necessarily feel too bogged down by the sort of MCU machine. Um, it had connections to it, but it it was really its own thing. It wasn't necessarily these like PG-13 movies. It was gritty, bloody. The way it looked at religion was really, really cool. And I, I don't know. I think that's one of the reasons why I really, really love the the Daredevil character. I think I've mentioned it previously. Um, yeah, I'm really interested in anything that has to... Yeah, I spoke about it last week when I was talking about Winterlight and First Reformed. I'm really interested in anything that, you know, is directly connected to religion. And um, I really like that they took that route with the Daredevil show. And again, yeah, it was a really great show. It was well-directed, well-written. Season two was a little bit messy but like season one and three were really really great and i was upset that they got canceled and you know that kind of universe the netflix universe of comic shows kind of you know just kind of went away but i'm glad that they're bringing daredevil back i know that i don't know i think it is going to be a little different i don't necessarily think that some of the characters are going to be present and yeah but anyways we got confirmation regarding, you know, the new team for this show. Hopefully it's good. Um, I don't know. May Maybe I'll tune in. But if it's... I do think they're going to take a different route with this show. And that's what I'm kind of scared of. Like, I don't necessarily think it's going to be as gritty and, like, dirty and, like, as realistic. or Not realistic, but... Yeah. Um as grimy as like the Netflix show and I don't necessarily know how they're gonna do that to adapt it to like this sort of Disney plus version of this character you know like I, I I've definitely spoken about Moon Knight on different projects that I've but I that I've uh done and Moon Knight is a very dark character and it it's like kind of frustrating when you know I I was reading articles or like interviews that Kevin Feige did and he was like oh we're gonna take this in such a dark wow this is gonna be so dark this is gonna be such a dark character for us to take on and then you watch this show and you're like this feels like any other Disney plus show I don't know um it, it's a little annoying and so I'm hoping like I don't necessarily go into this thinking that it's gonna be this like dark quote-unquote accurate version of Daredevil because again it is gonna be on Disney plus and I don't necessarily know how they're gonna go about it um ho i'm hoping they can kind of do like a separate i don't remember if this is actually confirmed or not but i do remember they were thinking of kind of creating this like separate label so that it could be darker but <sighs> anyways um yeah daredevil born again we got some news regarding that show i guess more sequel news um david fincher has actually been doing a lot of press recently because the killer is coming out soon the killer is actually in theaters in select theaters i should say now but it's going to be on netflix in a couple of days and um yeah i obviously you should check that out um i think it's going to be on netflix on like the 11th or something like that actually don't quote me on that but anyways um yeah so he's been doing a lot of press recently because of you know he's doing the press tour for the killer and he actually said something that kind of like was really funny and he yeah he said that there's been a lot of talks about making the social network too which i feel like people think is like the last movie that needs a sequel because you know 
it's based on some a real thing that happened and usually those kinds of movies don't necessarily get sequels but there's been so much regarding like Facebook and stuff like that in the past year alone that I feel like there is so much material that they could definitely do it and I think Fincher is really good at making people look like losers so I wouldn't necessarily mind a sequel again like I am kind of like anti-sequel and stuff like that but it's Fincher so I'm down for anything honestly um I'm actually going to be talking about more sequel news which kind of crazy um (laughs) I didn't necessarily know how many sequel things I was going to be talking about today but anyways um yeah the black phone 2 is actually been officially confirmed by scott derrickson and yeah it's going to be releasing i was supposed to say next year i'm like no that's not right it's going to be releasing in 2025 it is going to be released on june 27th so they have already set their date and all that um but yeah um the black phone 2 officially in the works this is actually a film that a lot of people are like, okay, why does there need to be a sequel? Yeah, like, it's based off of a short story. The film ends with the grabber being killed. And I understand that there's elements of, like, dreams and seeing ghosts and stuff like that that could definitely be carried on into a sequel. But it just feels weird having a sequel to this kind of film just because, you know... Yeah, like, just because it it ends the way it does with the grabber being killed. And I don't know. I don't know how they're going to go about doing a sequel to this. I understand that it made quite a bit of money considering its budget. And it is a horror film. And, you know, horror films just obviously have to spawn franchises. And I don't know. I really wish, like, horror films could just stay singular and it didn't have to always spawn like a franchise and again like I understand if it only has the two then that's not necessarily a franchise but this is probably gonna get like three movies at least which is kind of annoying but again the black phone 2 gonna be released in 2025 June 27th speaking of original horror films I really really enjoyed the film and I I love anything original, you guys, as you guys know. But anyways, Barbarian, this is the film that came out last year. And it is being adapted into a video game. And it is going to be adapted into a game by Diversion 3 Entertainment. I'm not a gamer. I don't know anything about video games. But the fact that this this kind of film is being adapted into video game is actually really really exciting and i really love the thought of you know like going into the basement and like navigating the the tunnels under the house or whatever you want to call it the rooms under the house and let me give a little synopsis for those of you that are unfamiliar with barbarian so it is directed by zach Krager. it stars georgina campbell justin long and bill skarsgård i'm not going to spoil it but basically Uh, Georgina Campbell rents an Airbnb or something like that and it happens to be double booked by this 
this dude, um, also played by, also played, no, played by um, Bill Skarsgård. And it turns out that there is something in the basement. And it's so cool to see the themes that were placed into this film. And I don't know, it, uh, modern horror is just so cool. And I really, really like respect the film for the direction that it takes. And again, I do think that the sort of like basement aspect of the game and trying to survive is going to, it, I, I feel like it very well could be adapted into a video game. It's always hard to adapt anything into another form of media or media or whatever you want to call it. And I do think that with the right team, this could be a really, really huge success. And honestly, like if if the game can bring more attention to the film, then that's totally cool. Um, and I think it's, yeah, it's a really, really cool film to get this adaptation. And I don't necessarily know a lot about Diversion 3, but like from what I've seen, they do not have that many games. So again, it's just cool to think about the potential of this game. Let's move on to some news about the bear creator, Christopher Storer. So again, creator of the bear, and he is set to make his next series. And he actually has the material that he is going to, you know, adapt into this next series. So what's interesting about this piece of news is that the book that he is adapting has not been released yet. It is actually an upcoming debut book by journalist Sarah Harmon, and the book is called All the Other Mothers Hate Me. And from that title alone, you can kind of understand what the series is going to be about, or I should say also the book is going to be about. Uh, so, great title. But yeah, so he is actually set to make this his next series. Again, the book is up and coming, and it follows an American woman who suspects her son may have killed someone at his West London private school. Um, so another wealth, uh, oh, I shouldn't say another, a wealthy student at his London um, private school. And there's actually a huge bidding war regarding the rights to this book um, in order to adapt it into a film, a TV series, etc. And yeah, um, it's cool that knowing that this book has kind of had a bidding war, you know, I'm not saying that this is the case, but I feel like it has to be pretty decent and pretty good in order for it to be, you know, to have this bidding war, you know, against or, or for it, not against it, for it. And I'm glad that someone like the creator of the bear kind of has this series. It's going to be an FX series. And, um, I'm, pretty sure he has a contract with FX as seen by the fact that the bear is there. Um, but I really like the bear. So I'm hoping that I love this series as well. And I think the, 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 the very little that I know about the book is also really interesting. And how does, you know, how does a mother go about that if they think their son, you know, killed someone at this school that, they go to, right? Like, how does someone navigate that? And I'm interested in reading the book and, you know, the fact that someone like Sarah Harmon wrote 
the book is really interesting because she is a journalist and I think there's going to be a lot of details within the story that maybe wouldn't have been you know placed in there if someone else wrote it and so yeah it's cool that Christopher Storer um, is going to be adapting this upcoming novel into a new series. All right, enough news. Um, I do want to get into the ending portion of this episode, which is just a, you know, section where we discuss, rant, whatever, um, hate on or love a piece of media, or I should say a film or a television show. We can love it. We can hate it. It could be one of our favorites. It could be something that we don't really have strong feelings towards. It's just something we want to talk about. And so, I think I have also, similar to last week, um, I have two things that I want to talk about just because, yeah, um, it's, it, I, I, I'm thinking of them side by side and I'm, I, I'm looking back on it and I'm like, wow, I should, I should have guessed that. Um, so yeah, um, I recently watched Polite Society, which is a film that came out, I believe, this year, and I, I really enjoyed it. It was really fun. The direction is really probably one of the standouts for me. Um, it really was well-directed, and um, the, the cast was just incredible. I'm going to shout out some of the cast right now, actually. So Priya Kansara is the lead in the film, and the film basically focuses on her character who wants to be a stunt woman for films and um her sister is a painter or an artist and then her sister meets a man and uh she is going to get married to him but you know her little sister is like why are you giving up on your art why are you marrying him etc so she feels the need to protect her sister and let's just say the little sister finds out something about the man and his mom and yeah um it's just it was it was such a wacky fun crazy movie but it also has a lot of heart in it and um I'm not gonna spoil anything but it's such a great film and I really suggest watching it I really wish I feel so bad for not watching it in theaters because it would have been a great film to see on a big screen due to the fact that there are a lot of like fights and stunts and yeah the direction is really great and it would have been cool to see it on a big screen but as I was watching it I feel like I should have I should have like looked up who the director was and yeah again I was like so impressed by the direction so I looked up the director and her name is Nita Manzur and What's interesting about this is that she actually created one of my favorite sitcoms from the past couple of years. And the sitcom I am talking about is We Are Lady Parts, which I actually had no clue was based on a short film called Lady Parts that Manzoor directed and wrote. Wait, backtrack, I lied. It wasn't a short film. I don't know why I said it was a short film, but um, it was sort of like a... It was like a pilot episode, essentially, and um, yeah, uh, what she did is uh, it was called Lady Parts, and then it got adapted into a larger series, 
and it's very british like if you watch it you're like okay this is very british and um it just it's 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 so fun and you know you could see like the edgar wright influences but it's still such a even even in polite society you can definitely see like the um the edgar wright influences however it is fully its own thing and it's totally yeah like it's just totally its own thing and you really can't compare it to anything else um also she Nita Menzor has actually directed a couple of episodes of Doctor Who and I actually do really want to watch those now um but yeah I I I really loved Polite Society and I loved We Are Lady Parts and Apparently season two is happening, but it's been like two years and I don't know when it's going to be premiering. Um, so We Are Lady Parts actually focuses on a rock band that is completely comprised of Muslim women. And the lead character is working in, I think, medicine or healthcare. Let me let me look this up. Well, the, the lead in We Are Lady Parts is um Anjana Vasan and she is an incredible actress like if you watch Killing Eve you know who she is she is very like well known within the British um like the British film and movie industry and I really do hope that like one day uh she kind of just like blows up in Hollywood as well and anyways she is a microbiology PhD student in the show and I guess she has like a lot of anxiety about performing but like you know with the band she kind of like opens up and they really are just di- women from like different walks of life. They all happen to be Muslim, but they are, you know, one's, one's a mother or and like one's, you know, trying to like navigate relationships and stuff like that. And um, yeah, it's just, it's so cool to see the way they try to go about being quote-unquote a successful band while also balancing all the shit in their life and now that I think of it you can see you can like see a lot of Manzoor's um influence in both of the projects because you know she created them and she directed them and it's just really cool when a director has such a distinct style and like you know that it was created by them and so what I'm saying is like you should go watch Polite Society, you should go watch We Are Lady Parts, and I am waiting for a season two of that show, and I'm getting very impatient, but whatever. Whenever it drops, it drops, right? And I'll be there no matter what. And I really do hope that more people can tune into this. And I know it is pretty big in like the UK, but I really wish Yeah, I really wish um that more people just saw these projects and um, supported them because I think they're so funny, hilarious, and well-directed. Like, Manzoor, again, has such a style that, like, you immediately know it's hers. And I really do wish that she can create more and more projects that I will be able to support. Well, it's time for the end of the episode. You know, this is the portion where I just shout out a movie that's going to be in theaters and say, hey, you should probably go support it. And there's a lot, there's going to be a lot coming up because, you know, this is a time where a lot of films that are, yeah, I guess, like, attached to, what am I trying to say? That are attached to, um, 
uh, award season, I should say, are going to start coming out more. And I'm really, really excited for that. I cannot wait for Poor Things. I can't wait for Saltburn. I know Saltburn is getting receiving so many lashings right now and it's the reviews are really bad but i'm still excited for it i'm gonna be seated either way like i don't care what people think like if i want to see a movie i'm gonna see it and like even if i hate it at least i want to go see it and so anyway let's get into what movie is coming up this weekend so it's actually already in select theaters um probably like new york la you know those kinds of markets but it's going to have a wide release starting this weekend So, Priscilla, it is in theaters this weekend. This is based on Elvis and Me. This is the 1985 biography written by Priscilla Presley with Sandra Harmon. Yeah, so in in the book, she basically talks about, she being Priscilla, talks about meeting Elvis, their marriage, and what led to their eventual divorce. I mean, I think what is, what I'm looking most forward to regarding this film is being able to see the way that a lot of, I guess, the layers behind what people think or, like, who people think Elvis is kind of get peeled back. Um, It is still Priscilla's film. Like, let's not forget that. But his identity and, like, his stardom was so directly tied to her that it is hard to separate them. But I, I am interested in seeing the way Sofia Coppola went about trying to get the very truthful nature of the relationship like on screen because although I don't necessarily think that most people can think of it as a healthy relationship due to the fact that like she was 14 and he was 24 when they met obviously I don't necessarily think that is healthy but at the end of the day I think I've spoken about this multiple times on this podcast before like it it doesn't necessarily negate the fact that Elvis was her husband and she like loved him and there is very nuanced it is very nuanced and I do think that Sofia Coppola is extremely good at showcasing nuance within relationships um, no matter what kind of relationship they are relationship it is so Kaylee Spaney is playing Priscilla I hope I'm pronouncing her name right that's the way I've been pronouncing it for years um and then we got Jacob Elordi as Elvis and of course the film is directed by Sofia Coppola you know um you probably heard that um I guess like Elvis's family is kind of like not on board with the film but Priscilla had a huge hand in the making of this film and I think she kind of respects it and I think that's the most important you know a seal of approval or like stamp of approval that you can get and I think the reason they don't like it is because it is a little bit more truthful to the way Elvis actually was than the sort of like glorified version of him that we got in the Baz Luhrmann film which I didn't hate the film um but it was like you could tell like it definitely glossed over things that are like hey maybe we should go back to the fact that like he was 24 and she had like a curfew um but anyways um or like her dad wanted her home and whatever you get what i'm saying um but yeah i'm I'm excited to see the nuances and i've heard that it's a really really great film and it's like one of sophia's best best um especially in the last couple of years and so yeah i'm i'm excited and i'm excited to see it on a big screen and i think you should go support it in theaters because Sophia Coppola and uh yeah it's just 
I don't know. I think we should support these kinds of films in theaters. And I keep moving my mic. Sorry. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see it. And I hope that you go out and support this film. So anyways, thanks for listening. Um, I spoke about a lot. I, I'm not editing this episode again. Or, sorry. Um, when I listen to it, if I hear anything wrong with it, then maybe we'll fix it. If not, oh well. Um, anyways, bye.